You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, The New You. This series attempts to capture the essence of the new life given to us by Jesus, one not mastered by mistakes of the past, but a life of ultimate joy, peace, and freedom. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Today we're going to continue our series, uh, New You, and talk about New God. And I just want to welcome those from uh, Washington and the lake uh, following along in video, and then soon to be here in a couple weeks, uh, Kirkwood. Uh, So that's exciting. Almost. And uh, almost there. Um, And there's a phrase that is said at the end of uh, what was read in Matthew 6, uh, verse 24. Jesus says, you cannot serve God in money. Now, um, I, I was thinking about that a little bit this week, that, that kind of, you know, you know, it's God or, or, or it's money. And it, it, I, I thought about um, my, uh, my, my former passion uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so growing up in, in the St. Louis area, uh, in 1987, when the uh, St. Louis football Cardinals uh, left to become the Phoenix Cardinals and then eventually the Arizona Cardinals, uh, for those who care, and, um, I, I, you know, left without a team. And back then, you know, you just, the, the, the team on uh, TV was were the better teams and the 49ers were one of the better teams around. And so I became a 49er fan, you know, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, the whole deal. And so I, I started really liking in the, uh, the 49ers. And one of the teams that they would always, always beat up on were the L.A. Rams. And, um, and so, and, and I loved it. Uh, but then in the mid-90s, I think 95, uh, the L.A. Rams, as you know, became the St. Louis Rams. And the 49ers kept beating up on the Rams. In fact, one of the uh, play I remember famous, very famously, one of the 49ers said, hey, you know, new city, but same old Rams. And uh, I didn't like it anymore. I didn't like the 49ers beating up on the Rams. And I began to notice, I began to notice that, like, I started to like the, the Rams because they were in St. Louis. And the 49ers, you know, they're out in, in California. Uh, and so I began to think, like, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't be a fan of both. And so eventually I became a fan of St. Louis. And, I, and now I hate the 49ers. And I, I bring that all up. And one of these days, I'll hate the Rams too. But one of these days, I bring this all up just to say um, that's kind of exactly what Jesus is talking about and saying eventually there's going to be a point in your life to where you're going to have to choose. You, you, cannot serve, uh, you cannot serve God in money. When you become this new person, uh, you begin to take new orders from, from a... From a new king, and, and it's not you. It's it's not your opinions. It, it's 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 scripture, and it's not it's not money. You don't do what money says. You do what uh, God says, and says eventually these two are going to come to a head. Now I don't know about you, but when I first read that, I'm thinking like, man, did Jesus get that wrong? It doesn't seem right. I mean, Jesus didn't you really mean to say you know you cannot serve God and the devil? Like, isn't that really the two things? You know, it's either God or or it's the devil. But no, he says no. It's it's God. And, and money. And what I found out, and I'm, if you've been a Christian a while, um, uh, this, this is true. There, there's nothing that will wreck your faith or support your faith in terms of in, in getting this issue right, money. If you, if you don't get this right, if, you, if there's something that will pull you away from God more than anything out there, it's money. And not because I say so, but because Jesus says so. And that's why Jesus is talking about money all the time. 
I mean, it's, it's pretty much about a fourth of what he has to talk about is money. Um, I could never talk about money that much or uh, we wouldn't have a church. And so we, uh, and, and to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't want to come either. I just, it's just not a subject that we like to hear, but we're going to hit it today. And one of the things that Jesus has to say about this is that money has a power uh, over us. That money has a power over us. And the reason why is in uh, verse 22. Uh, it's kind of a crazy a verse that has caused people a lot of confusion, even, you know, Bible scholars who don't feel bad, but we'll make sense of it today. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, or that really means clear or good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, what that actually means is something very simple. It says that if your eyes work, they're going to be able to take in light. And as if they take in light, you'll be able to see. So, in this room, if your eyes are working, you know, you're, you can take in the light of the room. And because you're taking in the light of the room, you're able to maneuver around. You can get through uh, the chairs and say hi to people. You can do, you know, receive communion later. You can walk out the door and you can maneuver um, around. But what it's saying is if your eye doesn't work, uh, the light may still exist in the room. There's light all around you. There's plenty of light all around you. But you are in darkness because your eyes are bad. And you're like, okay, what does that have to do with money? Um, well, it helps to know a little bit um, where he says this again in Luke 11 and 12. He says the exact same thing. You know, he says, hey, you know, um, you know the, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And it's in, in the same context of money. But in this section, he adds, um, watch out, be on your guard for all kinds of greed. All kinds of greed. So what is Jesus saying here? What is he trying to communicate to us about this power that money has? He said greed and materialism, and materialism is just an inordinate desire or dependence upon material things, the things of this material world. Uh, materialism has a way of, bi- of blinding you spiritually. It has a way of distorting how you see things um, to the point that there can be light all around you, but you're walking around making decisions in total darkness Because you've been blinded by materialism. You've been blinded by the power that money has for you. What do I mean? Well, for example, materialism has the power of blinding you from materialism. I have belabored this in the past, but nobody, and and I just about mean nobody, ever thinks of themselves as being greedy. Nobody ever, never, no one ever, you know, people will confess a lot of things about themselves. Uh, but no one ever said, you know what, I'm a greedy person. I'm just a greedy person. No one ever thinks they're materialistic. Why is that? Well, because greed has a way, and materialism has a way of hiding itself. Has a way of hiding, it has a way of blinding you from knowing that it's coming. Uh, there's light all around, I mean, there's, no, there's evidence all around us. Uh, but we don't see it. So 70% of the wealth in the entire world is basically in the hands of 5% of the population, which is essentially America. If you have a professional job of any kind, you're in the top 1%. Yet most of us would never think of ourselves as having too much. Most of us would, would pretty much think that, you know, yeah, I, maybe I could squeeze out a dollar here or a dollar there, but I'm basically about as generous as I possibly could be, to which the rest of the world would say, really? Like, you don't see that? You, you can't see, like, the wealth that you have. You can't see the stuff that you need. 
but our problem, especially if we live in any kind of an affluent community, there's always somebody who has a more extravagant lifestyle than we do. There's always someone, if we could just find one person with a nicer car, if we could just find one person with a nicer wardrobe, we could just find one person with a nicer house, they're the greedy ones and we're, we're okay. Um, all it takes is just one person. But let me say it more bluntly. And this is kind of what Jesus is getting to about um, our eyes being bad and not being able to see this. If you're here this morning and, and you wouldn't even consider the fact that maybe just maybe you could have greed or you could be materialistic, Jesus is going to say that is a very bad sign. One of the symptoms of being materialistic is you never consider the fact that you're materialistic because your eye has gone bad and you can't see anymore even though there's light all around you you are in darkness because you have been blinded by money and so you make decisions in this blindness you make decisions on where to live you make decisions on where to work you make decisions on what house what car what how you do your schedule and you're blinded by the fact that money and your desire for material things is driving all of those decisions. That's why Jesus says you cannot serve God in money. There's a power that money has over you. Is there anything wrong with having um, nice stuff? No, but let me ask you, are you asking questions? Are, are you asking questions of yourself? Jesus says, be on your guard. Watch out. Like, you got to be careful. It doesn't say this about any other sin. Hey, be careful you don't tell a lie. Be careful that you don't commit adultery. Because you, you know when you're telling a lie. You know when you're committing adultery. But you don't know when you're committing the sin of greed. Because materialism blinds you from from thinking that you're materialistic. So watch out, Jesus says, be on your guard. Ask yourself lots and lots of questions. You know, do I really need this? You know, do I, do I have to have, you know, do I have to have, could I do more? Could I be more generous? Do you ask yourself these questions? Do you, um, who are you, here's a tricky question. Who are you accountable financially? I mean, we all say, it's a pretty good idea to like encourage each other to read the Bible. It's a good, a good idea. You know, you'd want someone to say, hey, let us, you know, let's, let's do this good deed. But would you open yourself to the accountability of someone else? And why would you do that? Well, Jesus says, well, you've got to be careful. You've got to watch out. Because if you are, if you do have greed, if you are materialistic, it's probably something that you're not going to see. And so you've got to ask lots of questions. And you have to have other people ask you questions. Now, I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. No, I'm not going to ask anybody to look at stuff. I don't want anyway. It's not their business. This is personal. This is private. And to which Jesus is saying, that's my whole point. Money has a way of blinding you to the point where you stop asking questions. So generally speaking, we don't think of ourselves as being greedy. Generally speaking, we don't think of ourselves as, you know, we can't be any more generous. But again, that's not what the rest of the world thinks. And you know what? And I think just to be fair, I think you, you think the same way. Um, you, you, you think, uh, you, you see people who live in better houses, better cars, uh, people like Stan Kroenke, for example. And you think, that greedy 
blank. <laughs> what does he need? He's got billions. Why does he need another billion? You know, there are people who live on, a, a big part of the world lives on uh, less than a thousand a year. A big part, not like a fraction, like a percentage, but like probably most of the world, two-thirds of the world, would live on less than a thousand a year. They've got 50,000. Why do they need another thousand? They could say the same thing to you. I'm sh- Here, here's my point. It, we can get blinded to it. So it has a significant power over our lives. It has a power. Why does it have this power? What well, says in verse uh, 21, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The place that our hearts really rest is revealed by, where, by money, by where we spend our money. For example, money can be a way for us to get significance. Uh, money allows you to dress a certain way, allows you to drive certain cars, live in certain neighborhoods, or uh, it, it allows you to send your kids to certain schools, whatever it is that you would, would value. But all of these things make you feel like I'm important. I have these things. I'm, I dress this way. I'm important. I have these things. I am important. And, and what we have a tendency, and I know you don't consciously think this way. We have a tendency that, to look uh, at people below us economically, and we just don't think you're below me economically. We think you're below me. Now, we, we don't, uh, I mean, we, we, don't, we, we, we feel sorry for them. We'll even be, give them money. Uh, but at the end of the day, we do feel superior Money has a way of us feeling important. Now, for some of us, we don't get significance from money. We get uh, security from money. Some people use money to get approval, uh, while others use it for uh, control. Uh, Some people use it to feel important. Other people use it to feel safe. And uh, if you're not giving money away in radical... um, Ways, it's because money has a power over you. Uh, why does money have a power over you? Well, because one of the reasons is because you use money uh, to get significance and you use money to get security. And here's the thing, the way God has hardwired you. You cannot let go of what makes you feel important. You cannot, your, your heart will not allow you to let go of what makes you feel safe and secure. And so Jesus says, you cannot let go of money because you're looking to money to make you feel significant. You are looking to money to make you feel secure. If Jesus is what makes you feel significant, if Jesus is what makes you feel secure, you'll grab on, you you can't let Jesus go. And everything else is fine. We think if we have money, we can somehow, you know, we can feel safe. We can... We can somehow control this uncontrollable world. But Jesus comes along and says uh, down in verse uh, 27, you know, he talks, he first talks about the birds of the air and um, he talks about the lilies. And then he says, and which one of you being anxious, which one of you kind of worried about where you're going to live, where you're going to sleep and what are you going to wear and all these things, all these financial things, which one of you uh, giving the attention that you're giving it to, the anxiousness you're giving to, you can't even add an hour to your life. 
You're trying to get control through money, but you can't even add an hour to your life. Many people, in fact, most people, if not all of us, live under the assumption that the key to good life is a good education and a good paying job. And if I have a good paying job, I will have a a good life. I will be able to control certain things to live a good life. But consider for the fact that, with me for a moment, that um, you and I live on this green and blue rock that we call Earth, that is traveling through the universe at 67,000 miles an hour, spinning at the rate of 1,000 miles an hour, which is why you should always wear a seatbelt. Um, but every second, the, the, uh, the, the sun supplies the Earth with 4 million tons of energy. And within an 11-year sun cycle, the level of energy varies less than one-tenth of 1%. All from 93 million miles away. If we are 92 million miles away, no life on earth. If we are 94 million miles away, no life on earth. The earth, that earth is tilted at a, uh, at a 23.5 degrees. Uh, that happens through uh, the gravitational pull, pull. 40% of what it gets from the sun, 60% of what it gets from the moon. If that's tilted at 22 degrees, no life on earth. If it's tilted at 25 degrees, no life on earth. Hydrogen must convert uh, seven one thousandths of its mass to helium. Six one-thousandths mass gets converted to helium, no life on earth. Eight one-thousandths of its mass gets converted to helium, no life on earth. Our atmosphere consists of 21% oxygen, 23% no life on earth, 19% no life on earth. The ocean and your blood consist of 3.4% salt, 3% no life, 4% life. And then when this life is over, we fall through a trap door, uh, Some go to an eternity called hell. Some fall into the loving arms of the Savior. But you and I somehow think if we get a good education and a job that somehow we can control all of that. To which Jesus says, what? (laughs) Your eye has gone bad. You're not seeing things well. There may be light all around you, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus says, you are in darkness. Which one of you could add one hour to your life? So what do we do? Well, uh, if you go up to verse 19 in that passage, it says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. So he calls them, don't treasure what is on earth. Don't treasure what is temporary. Don't treasure gadgets, clothes, houses, Car, all those things, it's just all, te- it's here today, gone tomorrow, you can get a, you know, you can get some level of satisfaction out of that, but it's gone, but lay up yourself uh, treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, um, treasure what is eternal, and at the center of all of our souls, we treasure something, and what it means to treasure something, it means to look at something and allow your heart and your mind to be filled with the, the beauty and the value of it. To, to, to treasure something. To treasure something is to say, if I have this, then everything is worth it. And if I have this, then I am worth it. If I have this, then whatever I need, whatever I have to do to get it, it'll all be worth it. And if I have this, then I'll be worth it. Everybody has something that they treasure, uh, that they're making a distant second to. You know, it could be money, it could be career relationships, uh, fill in the blank. We all have something that we think, hey, if I could just have this, it'll all be worth it. And if I could just have this, I'll be worth it. It's like, you know, Gollum from Lord of the Rings. We all have this ring of sorts that's precious. 
And uh, we are just as weird and creepy about it as he was. And so, like, it's, it's something that we... Um, and, this, and this precious, his precious had a power over him. And your precious... I don't care if you're Christian or not, but this is true of every human being on the face of the earth. Your precious has a control over you. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you treasure anything but Jesus, it will, it will require that you die for it. If money is your treasure, it will require you die for it. If relationships are your treasure, it will require that you die for it. Jesus is the only treasure who says, I will die for you. I will die for you. How do you make him your treasure? Well, what, did he, what did he do to make you his treasure? I mean, it's one of the amazing realities. It says in 1 Peter 2.9 that, that we are people of his own possession. That he is, we have been seen as precious in his sight. What did, he do, what did he do? Well, when he was on the cross, he was utterly stripped. Uh, he was stripped of his possessions. He was stripped of his clothes. And that was just foreshadowing. That was just an echo of of him being spiritually stripped, him being utterly cut off. He had the comfort of heaven. He had the, he had the approval. He, he sat at the right hand of the Father and he let all of that go for you and me. And if you get a hold of the reality that Jesus left, gave up everything for you, it has a way of freeing you from your grip on possessions. And if Jesus is your treasure, money is just money. And, and you get really generous. You get really generous. If money is your treasure, it's going to be easy for you to let go of Jesus. If Jesus is your treasure, it's going to be really easy for you to let go of money. So Jesus said, you can't serve both. You'll love one and you'll hate the other. Don't let money be your master. It's like, here, let me, see, like, if you, if money is your master, it tells you what to do. There, it's a $1 bill, folks. And so, um, if money, if, if money, if you, if you love money, then money tells you, see, it's the idea, we think that if whatever your treasure is, it becomes your master. So money tells you what to do. Money says, you need me, go work there. You need me. Go live. Money tells you what to do. But if you make Jesus your treasure, then, then, then you can let go of money and, and you, uh, money is, um, excuse me, you are money's master. So you tell money what to do. No, I, I, I won't listen to you. You'll listen to me. Go. You go do this. You go do that. Um, it's easy. If Christ is your treasure, you just let go of money. So the question always is, well, then how much? Okay, I get it, Brian. How much are we talking about here? You know, what, what do we, let's just get down, let's get to it. What do we talk? Well, what did, I think you have to look at what Jesus did. How did Jesus um, treasure you? He treasured you sacrificially. He picked up his cross for you. And he says to us, now pick up your cross and come after me. And so we pick up our cross and go after him. The cross needs to define our ambitions. It needs to define our relationship. There needs to be a cross in our giving. It needs to be sacrificial. If you give, but it doesn't really affect how you want to live, um, 
there's not really a cross in it. Now, for generations, and in all, in most parts of the world, ten percent, the ten percent has been is is a sacrificial giving. It's what God gave uh, the Israelites. God gave His people many thousand years ago. Said, "Hey, this is a, this is kind of the entry level. This is a way that you can. Um, this is a way that you can uh, say to your heart and to the nations of the world that God owns everything. I, I own everything, and uh, you keep ninety and." Give back 10 to me that says that you recognize that God owns it all. Also, you're saying that, you know, you, that money's not Lord, but, but, but I am Lord. However, for believers, for Christians, the standard for giving actually isn't 10%. The standard for giving is the cross. Um, the standard of giving is a cross. And for some, 10% does represent a sacrificial amount. But for some, it does not change how you live. It doesn't affect how you live. And if you want to, if you want to hear what Jesus has to say about money in this passage, if you don't want to be blinded and come under the power and the domination of money, if you don't want money to master over you, you, you got, you've got you to wrestle with this. Because I know there's pushback. So, well, I can't do that. And, and Jesus, here's a question Jesus wants you to wrestle with. Why can't you do that? And if you peel that onion, you'll come to the conclusion is because because money has a power over me. If I give that away, I give away my importance. If I give that away, I give away what makes me feel secure. And Jesus is like, that doesn't make you important. You know what makes you important? Having the Father in heaven look over you and say, this is my son. This is my daughter whom I'm well pleased. And that's why he goes on to say, well, look at the lilies of the field. They're clothed more, better than Solomon. How much more will he take care of you? Look at the birds of the air. Ravens. This low-level animal. It's like a rat with wings. It's just like this. Nobody does bird watching for ravens. It's just like, but look at the ravens and look how God takes care of them. Security and importance don't come from money. If you think that and you feel that, then you're blind. Security and importance come from God. So make Jesus your treasure. Make me your treasure, Jesus says. And let go of money. He wants to free us from the blinding trap of investing in earthly treasure to investing in heavenly treasure. It will free you. And here's the kicker. It will bless other people. You, 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 can, you can use your money in such a way to make an eternal impact on other people.